Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, and this is a really fun week for NBA fans and for me and for my guests because we're about to head into NBA free agency and we get LeBron James making the decision 3.0. And so I had to bring in Evan Thorpe, who does a lot of stuff for For the Win, but also knows his NBA stuff like the back of his hand. What's up, Evan? How you doing? Hey, Charles. I'm back. Let's get this NBA talk ready. Yes. Uh, before we get into it, uh, let's hear from our uh, sponsors at Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, where we'll admit that we often go overboard with our limited time offerings. We just can't help ourselves. Take our new signature sampler. For $15, you get wings and three shareable options like fried pickles or cheese curds. Then there's our aptly named over-the-top nachos, a literal mountain of crispy tortilla chips loaded with your choice of pulled pork or honey barbecued grilled chicken, corn jalapenos, and more. Then top it all off with our new platinum margarita. Go overboard with us today at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings Beer Sports. Available for a limited time while supplies last. Please drink responsibly. Evan, are you ready? Are you ready for the decision again? Like, where's your head at right now with, with LeBron? I'm thinking that and, you know, to go against my fandom, but I'm thinking he should stay for a year and wait till next summer when you don't have to deal with, you know, just one true free agent who, like, will be worth your time when you could have at least three or four free agents who you could really build a super team with and kind of, you know, give yourself a year to just relax in Cleveland and next year go all in on creating that super team. I like that you're starting right off with your, like, really... I don't, it's not a hot take. I just think it's not the take that everybody else is kind of talking about right now. But that's really interesting, right? Because that is one of his options is to stay... And, and you say relax. That's that's where I'm going to deviate, right? He's not going to relax. LeBron doesn't relax. Like, this is a guy who's going to be competing, potentially, for another championship on a team in your scenario that's just not that good, right? Like, he's surrounded by mediocrity, in, in Cleveland, even though he made it to the finals by carrying them on his back. And look, this is no offense to Kevin Love, who is a great player in his own right, and to, you know, a, a supporting cast that I think there's potential in there. But really, it's not his best basketball option, let's put it that way. So will he relax? Uh, and, and you're right, next year he could have that option. Where would you want to see him next year and with, like, which free agents if he does indeed stay with Cleveland for another year? So if he was to go next year in 2019... I think you look at some of the free agents. You have Carmelo. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Paul George could also be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I don't know if he's if he declined his player option. I think he did. But you also have people like Clay Thompson, uh, Robin Lopez. You know, some of these people who I'm looking at now aren't as big, but. You could create a good team with LeBron, DeAndre Jordan, Paul George, and Klay Thompson. If if they all were willing to take pay cuts and you could convince Klay to leave Golden State. That could be, you know, some interest if I'm LeBron and just saying, you know what, I'm going to hold off to next year. With those, yeah. opposed to just Paul George this year. I did I did almost spit out my, my uh, you know, pretend water doing a spit take just thinking of like, oh, Carmelo? Like, you know, he wants to play with like Carmelo who's, who's taken a – a couple of steps back in the last couple of years, but I see what you're saying, right? Like that the options this year, at least seem fairly limited from like a choose your own team. Like it's not like the decision 1.0 when he had, 
Chris Bosh and and Dwayne Wade is obviously there in in Miami, but the two of them kind of getting or the three of them getting together and saying, "Hey, let's let's form this team." The only place where that makes sense and it's doable is the Lakers because they have most of their cap uh, space for for two superstars. So he could get together with Paul George and say, "Let's let's go to your home state of California." Will get surrounded by a you know, a decent core of youngsters and will, you know, fill out the roster however we want. That's the only place where it's really possible because the rest of the options on the hypothetical list of LeBron going places, there aren't a lot of places where he's basically going to get plugged in to an already existing situation, like with your 76ers. Yeah, I think uh, another thing we're not talking about is Kawhi Leonard because mm-hmm. I feel like that's another key component on where LeBron could go this year. And, you know, reports are saying that the Spurs don't want to trade him west. So if you're LeBron and you're looking at, well, I want to go somewhere where Kawhi's going, you're staying east. And it's only two or three teams that, you know, can give up the assets to get a Kawhi, and that's Boston, yep, Philly. And I don't think Boston – will be looking to sign LeBron if, you know, they got Kyrie and they saw how their last year kind of, like, ended with Kyrie not wanting to play with them unless you use Kyrie as the trade bait. So, you know, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of this has to happen in order for LeBron to go here if it comes to Kawhi. And I don't think I don't think Philly is the best at trying to trade for Kawhi right now. They do have the assets, but... I think you're going to have to give up too much in return for a player who is only on the books for one year. Yeah, let's start with the Celtics. I mean, I, I, if if LeBron somehow finds his way to Boston, which is a decent option, by the way, look at all the talent they have amassed there. Uh, if he gets there and he wants to play for a coach that, that everyone's calling a genius, uh, there's no way Kyrie's going to be there. There is no way. Look at what he did in Cleveland. He'll He'll find his way out. He'll force his hand at Boston's hand. That would be my guess. And he'll go to the Knicks. I don't know how the Knicks would make that trade work because they hardly have any uh, any uh, assets on their own. But to me, and, I, and I'm speaking from Knicks fan hearts here, I have no idea if the Knicks would actually do that. But that would make the most sense because Kyrie is, is uh, you know, there's been they've been connected for years, the idea of him coming to the Knicks. But, yeah, Boston would be a really interesting option because they are – the presumed favorites in the East if everyone's healthy. And again, like, so Kyrie wouldn't be there, but would Gordon Hayward still stay there? And then you've got Tatum and, you know, again, would Jalen Brown be there if, if you're making a trade for Kawhi? They're a team with some really interesting things this offseason. Uh, the Sixers, to me, and I just wrote this, I'm, I'm doing like a series of like, LeBron, here's how each team should pitch you. And I just did the Sixers. And it's pretty simple. You plug LeBron into that lineup. And suddenly, you take a team that's already pretty darn good, and you turn them into contender. Yeah, yeah. I think with Philly, though, it's you have to sign back uh, Bellinelli and JJ Redick because you have no shooting outside of Robert Covington. Right. What about Markel Fultz though? He'll he'll be he'll be fine, right? 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 I'm I'm looking at you know the workout you know, <laughs> dunking and the whole thing. I'm looking at is if he's able to dunk, his shoulder must be healthy enough for him to be able to, you know, pull it all the way up. What they said last year during the summer, he couldn't even lift his his arms over his head because of his shoulders. So if he's dunking and doing all these crazy uh, Instagram videos, hopefully he's just hiding the fact that he's able to shoot again like he was in college because if that's the case, then I think you can really push forward to have LeBron, maybe 
bring in one of the two guys I just mentioned on probably a, a veteran minimum. And maybe if he looks good this summer, you could use Fultz's trade bait to try to get somebody else. Or you just keep him in, and then you have a lineup of Simmons, Fultz, LeBron, Sarge, and then B. And right there, I mean, that's that's a, a huge lineup. But Yeah, yeah. I, I think the Sixers make – Probably the the most sense in the Eastern Conference from like a sort of plug them in and play kind of point of view because with the Celtics you have to do a lot of maneuvering right like you have to you have to move Kyrie you have to figure out how you have you know Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum and, and all those guys like how how does that work together with LeBron the only question that I have about the Sixers is how do you get Ben, ben Simmons to fit in there when they both kind of play a similar point forward game. Would Simmons then have to learn how to shoot, which he has to do anyway? And so, like, that that's the only question. And that's really not a huge deal because, again, it's something you and I have both said to each other. If you have a chance to get LeBron, you get LeBron no matter what. Yeah, I think uh, I think starting out, if you if the Sixers were to get LeBron, I think starting the game off, you keep the ball in Ben Simmons' hands. And you've seen LeBron at times allow point guards to play the point guard role. Mm-hmm. And then once the ball is swung around one time, he'll get it with probably, what, 10 seconds left and be like, all right, this is my time to go one-on-one. So I think if you start the game off with Ben Simmons, with the ball in Ben Simmons' hand, it allows him to be the point guard. And then we see in rotations, LeBron likes to end out that first quarter in the game with shooters. So then that's how second half you could bring Ben Simmons back in. And you could probably keep him and Joel and B with each other. That's how you still have the pick and roll with your most dominant big and your point guard. I think you keep people like Fultz and Sark with LeBron because they have the ability to stretch the floor out. So LeBron James isn't trying to post up one-on-five like we saw that first year in Cleveland when Tristan Thompson and uh, Mosgoff were the only two bigs that they had when Love was hurt. So I think if you get LeBron, you just have to change up rotations where you allow LeBron to take over your non-Ben Simmons lineups and you keep Simmons, the point guard, when LeBron isn't, like, fourth quarter hungry to have the ball in his hands. And then when the fourth quarter comes around, it's, I think it's, it's more of, like, what's been, work, what's been working throughout the game. If Ben Simmons has been creating for players, you keep LeBron in that short corner or keep him on the wings. And the whole threat is if he's getting the ball off of a penetrating kick, you have defense shifting around. I think mm-hmm. it's deadly attacking people off the dribble and then basically becoming another driver because he's not going to lose his jumping ability no time soon, I feel like. And his strength is always going to be there. So having him as a slasher now and opposed to a post-up player could be just as deadly for the Sixers. Sixers. This is why I invite Evan Thorpe on here because he's a coach, right? Like, (laughs) coach in the making. Because he is, of course, the star of the For the Win Wednesday Basketball League. So, you know, I I gotta, you know, uh, uh, gotta get him on here to talk about that in from a from an X's and O's point of view. Um, what do you make of like the Rockets, right? Like, I don't. I think that's out personally. And again, I have no information to go off. Of. I just it's a feeling that I have that like he. I think he'd be seen if you know again, assuming Chris Paul comes aboard again, that he that would be seen as like the the uh, transparent move to attack the Warriors. Like, I don't think that for a, from like a legacy point of view, he would feel like it. And also, there've been reports that he doesn't like Houston to begin with. But I just. The Rockets are already set, and I think, frankly, if they're all healthy next year, that they could still make a run at the, the Warriors without LeBron. Yeah, I think if 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 I'm Houston, I'm trying to go after uh, Paul George because not only can he pay, play that 
that wing position, if Trevor Reeves is going to ask for too much, then you kick him out, you try to get uh, Ryan Anderson off the books, uh, and you, you try to see what you can do with Capella. But I would try to get Paul George. That's how you have a wing player that's not a, just a 3 and D player like Ariza was, uh, P.J. Tucker. Like, those guys can only do one or two things. But if you bring in somebody like Paul George, now you have a third score. So let's say James Harden is hot in the first half, and we've seen him go cold in the second. You have Paul George to pick up the scoring load. And you also have a healthy Chris Paul who can facilitate and also be a scorer when you need. So I think they should look for not a star who's going to look to command the ball, but somebody who's proven that they can play offense at a high level and play defense at a high level. So you're not relying on guys who just are special at making corner threes and playing defense on occasions. So if I'm I'm Houston, I'm looking at Paul George. I'm putting all my chips into Paul George. He's younger. You can get him with the guy he played with in the Olympics. You can also get him with a vet who can kind of change his mindset to be a winner because before Chris Paul got there, Houston didn't really have that that winner's mentality. It was kind of like, well, we're winning. Let's just try to win while we're ahead and not like we're going to claw back from behind and you know, or, or just flat out try to beat you. And I feel like Chris Paul brought that. So if you can bring another weapon in Paul George, who's younger, get him for more years, kind of fit the scheme you play and you don't have to change who you are as an offense, that's the best move for him. You think so? Because, like, I, I think in that scenario they wouldn't be able to retain Clint Capella because Clint Capella would be too expensive um, because he's, he's blossomed so, so beautifully on both ends of the floor. And I've always loved watching Clint Capella from, like, the point of view of, you know, defenses collapse. Like, you know, he, he, there he goes to the hole. Uh, there he goes to the hoop. And, you know, it's an alley-oop. Or, you know, he's, you know, it's a big man inside kind of situation. And d- defensively, he's versatile. And I'm not saying that Paul George can't do that. You know, and obviously he's not going to play center necessarily. It's just kind of a funky scenario in Houston where, like, they're, uh, like the Boston Celtics in this scenario, there's a lot of moving parts. Like, do you, you know, do you ask Capella to take less money? Do you, does CP3 take, you know, some kind of pay cut? Like, it to make that work from a salary point of view, I kind of wonder if that's the case. But I, I like the way you're thinking because you're absolutely right. Paul George picks up the scoring load when your backcourt is, is losing it. And also, um, yeah, getting rid of Ryan Anderson's contract will be tough because he's he like $16 million in the next couple of years. It's like, oh, it's, it's awful. I got a question, though. Yeah. What team in the past year have won, has won an NBA championship with a dominant center? It's true. It's true. It's it's only like the way that D'Antoni has set up that scheme that it works. And I wrote like a big thing last year where I like, and I, you are a better X's and O's guy than me, but I kind of saw how it worked with Harden, with the ball in Harden's hands. Like, okay, so he comes up, there's a screen, he, and, and all of a sudden like things start moving. you got got your shooters in the corner. You've got either Harden can penetrate, uh, he can miss, you know, take a three off a mismatch. He can alley-oop to, to Capella. So it's like the, the offense works that way. But you're right. It's not a center's game anymore. And actually, I, I, this is a good time to transition to something I wanted to ask you, which is other free agents that are intriguing. And the guy that I'm like, one of the guys that I'm really intrigued with, and I know he's a restricted free agent, but if this LeBron stuff kind of you know causes him to be renounced, like it would be crazy to me. Julius Randle, right? Like yes. perfect kind of like center for the new NBA. Um, so, so you can argue first about, you know, no NBA team having a dominant center. But like then I kind of wonder about like a guy like Julius Randle. Yeah, I think this this past year, Julius Randle really put his name out there. You know, I'm not 
one of these guys who was drafted high and just kind of like fades away. If you put me in positions to score and get one-on-ones on a uh, short corner or, or the mid post, I can do work. And, you know, he's a, uh, I wouldn't say a poor man's Draymond, but he's probably Draymond Green without the edge on the mm-hmm. defensive end. I mean, scoring, he can do, he can shoot when open and, you know, he's one of the best one-on-one players when you, when you look at those small stretch fours. So I think, he could be somebody, you know, You could, a contender could try to go out and get. I got another name for you I think people are not really talking about because mm. injured, DeMarcus Cousins. I was just going to bring him up completely yeah. because DeMarcus Cousins, it's like, and this is this is the thing that, that weirds me out a little bit, right? It's obviously because of the injury last year, right? He had, what was it, the Achilles? Was that what it was? Is, yeah. Yeah, it was Achilles. And DeMarcus Cousins was on his way to maybe his best season with – a fellow uh, big man in in New Orleans, uh, in Anthony Davis. And nobody's talking about him now, probably because of the injury, but I keep saying to myself, okay, like, what if Paul George stays in Oklahoma City? And what if uh, LeBron wants to sign with the Lakers? Well, why wouldn't DeMarcus Cousins be a candidate to go out there, right? Like, nobody said that. Nobody. And I just keep wondering if it's just, if it's injury-related, or if it's just the fact that I keep reading that people are saying, like, Anthony Davis and him really got along well and they, they played really well together and they, they've got such versatile games that they can play this inside-outside stuff and not get in the way of each other in spacing. Um, so, yeah, so I'm with you with DeMarcus Cousins. Where, like, what's your feeling about him? I, if I'm a team, I'm trying to offer him three years with the fourth-year option. Yes. And I'm looking at it as, look, the first year you might not play. Or you might come in uh, towards the second half of the season, and from there it's just going to be trying to work you back into game mode and game shape. And if we're a playoff team, it's better for you. If not, guess what? This year was just trying to get you back on the court. A team that I could see him going to, depending on if you know they get LeBron James, could be the Lakers. They yeah. they don't have a dominant big. I think uh, their big this year was Brooke Lopez, but and he's yeah he's a run restricted free agent. Yeah, if you bring in Cousins, I don't think he will cost as much if he wasn't injured. So you bring him in, and the hopes are we can get him in after after the All Star break. Now yeah, Cousins with LeBron. If LeBron goes, uh, you know, if LeBron goes there, I'm pretty sure Paul George is like, okay, I'm going to L.A. too. So you have a, a, a big three of those three, you know, Kuzma, he's still there. You never know if they got they have to get rid of uh, Ingram. But, you know, you're at least starting yourself off with a nice core for the next two, three, four years, depending on how long people sign for. Yep. No, that's a, that's a, it would be it, that's kind of a dream. And I'm curious if Cousins holds out for a bigger contract, obviously. Uh, any other sleepers on the list? I mean, I. I just read something where, where somebody, I forgot what site it was, might have been CBS. They were trying to match, like, free agent to, to destination. Isaiah Thomas, we know, a couple of years ago was was amazing for Boston. And now he's, like, bottomed out. And they were talking about him coming to the Knicks. And I was like, for a year, right? Like a show-me contract. Like, all right, show that you're not washed up with the Knicks. I was like, okay, that makes sense, right? Like, you know, if, if he signs for not a lot of money, you know, whatever the, the mid-level exception is or whatever it is for a year. And then... Off he goes if he if he you know picks up the scoring load while Kristaps Porzingis is out. I don't know. Seemed okay to me. <laughs> I, I have two players. Uh, I know this is going to be like a contradiction of what I said previously, but DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard 
are both free yeah. agents. And I can see Dwight going to Golden State for a minimum, kind of a, a prove himself that even though I'm not the Dwight Howard from Orlando, I can still be a dominant big. And if you give the Warriors uh, a shot blocking big, we've seen them to be unstoppable. I mean, if Andrew Bogut didn't get hurt yep. in that uh, 3-1 series collapse, we could be talking about them as two-time champions, possible three-time champions, possible four-time champions, depending on if one injury, two injuries didn't happen. But if they get a dominant big, I think they pretty much have an unstoppable lineup because Dwight Howard isn't uh, a stiff. You know, he can still move around. He's great, yeah. You put him in pick and rolls. You saw JaVale McGee would catch the ball sometimes, miss a dunk. I think with Dwight, you're just looking at alley-oops the whole time. And, you know, that'll help somebody like Steph Curry, who is not the best on-ball defender. But you saw with Bogut, he's not afraid to play one-on-one if he knows he has that backside protection. And if you play a team like Houston with Capella, you're not worried about Draymond Green starting off the game against him because you have a body who's big enough to go one one on one with the with the post guy and you can use your best players to their best abilities. Draymond could be is a great off ball defender. Kevin Durant could be an offside shot blocker. So if they can get somebody like Dwight Howard for the right price, that could be deadly. The that would be cool. That's it's very fantasy basketball view, but I, I, I like the, the philosophy of it because, yes, they've done very well when they've had that center. Uh, it's funny the way that you said that, too. You, you did a LeBron not one, not two, not three, not four. Um, but I also, uh, you know, I kind of wonder if that would interrupt the Hamptons five with Draymond in the middle. That's the only thing I can think of that where, like, they, they love what that's doing. It's, you know, don't, don't mess with, with success kind of thing. But uh, an intriguing idea. Dwight Howard, I've written about. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Like, like even though yeah, he's, he's been on every team, the guy is the numbers are undeniable. Like, the guy is so good at basketball. Yeah, it would be great to see him on the Warriors. Uh, we'll see if that happens. That's intriguing. Um, quick before I let you go, any any, how'd you feel about the NBA draft? Was there anybody you uh, you know did you did you you know anything that popped out at you that was intriguing? I think that teams don't realize that even if a player's hurt. Is is more rewarding than not to take the injured guy, sit him out for a year, and have him come back with an NBA body for his first year. We've seen it with Blake, Embiid, mm-hmm. and Ben Simmons. So the fact that a lot of teams skipped on a guy who, if he was to come out of high school, would have been probably the number one pick in Michael Porter. Like, I, I really think he's going to be the steal of the draft, and people are just going to have to stop looking at the worries of injuries and sometimes take that risk of, you know, this guy's hurt, but if we can get him in the right program and have him just focus on getting healthy for a year, the long-term plan could be better than just picking on a guy because he's available, but he's not that good. I totally agree with you. And you're speaking from, from experience with Simmons and, and Embiid and the fact that he went 14th overall was absurd to me because yes, his, his skill is undeniable. And I, I went and interviewed him a couple of days before the draft and I'd forgotten that he's a like he plays like a versatile game, but he's huge. So I walked in, I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot he's six eleven. And I was like, I was kind of sold at that point. I was like, "Why not take him?" You know, back yeah. injuries. You know, the back surgeries in the past. He's you know he seems okay. Maybe he's a little on the brittle side, but like really like at fourteen, no risk whatsoever. So I'm with you uh, because at that point in, at fourteen, you're, you're taking shots in the dark. You know, lottery players, it's like one through five are the are the guys you want to hit on, and and then the rest like. It's crapshoot. So I'm with you. Should have taken Michael Porter. 
I mean, I, anybody should have taken Michael Porter before that, but yeah, fourteen, amazing. Yeah, I, I really, I don't. I, the draft this year, like, there were good players, but I don't see like any other player who really is going to stand out. And you know, that's the great part about the draft. You have these unknown heroes like Donovan Mitchell, who nobody really expected to take off. So you know, I'm, I'm curious to see who will be. The, the Brandon Ingram, not the Brandon Ingram, the uh, Cal Kuzma's and the Donovan Mitchell, you know, that first round guy who went too low and that second round, late first round guy who was a steal. Yeah, yeah, it'll be intriguing. Uh, we we could spend a whole other podcast talking about this, but I'll let you go. Uh, Evan, what's your handle on, on Twitter one more time? E underscore Thorpe 22. That's right. He's got the numbers. Uh, Evan, thanks so much for joining us, and everybody enjoy the uh, uh, offseason with the LeBron Mania 3.0. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.